When someone's in the wrong, how many times have you heard them use this phrase? I'm just following orders. The latest example of this famous line comes from Colorado, where a seventh grader was kicked out of school for wearing a Gadsden flag. The administrator claimed that the don't tread on me flag was associated with slavery. While she might be the one who needs a history lesson, she chose to trample on the liberties of a child. Find out how the kid responds and how the just following orders attitude may resurrect mass mandates from the dead. Also, Catholic lefties may have gone a bit too far by attacking cassette tape legend Scott Hahn. We cover the Facebook comment that has them all riled up. And by popular demand, is it a sin to buy Starbucks? All this and more on this week's edition of The Loopcast. God bless everyone. Welcome back to the Loopcast. The gang is back together. It's Tom, Josh, and Erica, fresh off of a retreat. We're feeling pretty good. So top story here. It's got to be our favorite short king. I can relate. We're talking about a young man named Jaden. He's a seventh grader in Colorado. So he actually was kicked out of class for wearing a flag. And if you're wondering what flag it was, uh, no, it wasn't the Confederate flag. It was the Gadsden flag. And for the audio listeners, it is was it you know, hung in every college dorm room I think I've ever been in. Uh, it's a favorite with uh, old tea party parades that I went to as a kid. Uh, we're talking about the don't tread on me flag, bright yellow. He had a patch on his backpack. And of course he was summoned uh, to a meeting with his mother. And I mean, the video is awesome. It's a little bit long, but he he looked 0% worried was I think what I said to Erica when I saw that he had a big smile on his face. He knew he was right. And the uh, vice principal, I believe, brought him in and was like, well, you know, according to our guidelines, that flag's not allowed because it's associated with slavery. And the kid knew it. The mom knew it. That flag is not associated with slavery. It actually was flown on a lot of uh, U.S. Uh, U.S. establishments in 1775 when they were trying to buck the British. Just a crazy story. And it, it just completely went viral online. And a lot of people had really strong reactions to this. Uh, Erica, why do you think this just, I mean, I haven't seen something go so viral so quickly in a long time. Yeah, I would encourage anyone who hasn't seen the video of this, you know, meeting with the administrator, the mom and Jaden to go and watch it right now because it was um, it was one of those just iconic culture war moments for sure. And for me, as a mother of children um, who are school age, I just hand it to the mom. So as, you know, Catholic woman, that's what really stuck out to me in the video, because she, during this, she, the, the administrator brings the kid in. He's missing class. And the mom's like, I don't want him to be missing class. The administrator is this, you know, white administrator, woman, middle-aged. And she just keeps repeating that she's just enforcing the district guidelines. This is a uh, charter school. So it's tuition free in Colorado, but it's privately run, the Vanguard School in Colorado Springs. And she just keeps repeating. She doesn't engage the arguments. She doesn't explain anything to the child. This administrator, to me, is an icon of everything that is wrong with our education system. I mean, no interest in talking to the child, no interest in answering his questions, the mom's questions. And the mom, meanwhile, is offering historical evidence for why this isn't. She talks about unjust laws. I'm like, hashtag Catholic much. This is, it was a great <laughs> moment the mom was modeling to this educational expert exactly how to educate a child it was socratic it was like here's reasons and in the end of course they walk out and according to reports that we have now Jaden told his mom to drive him straight to the local nbc station he's been reading the tuttle twins apparently and he's, <laughs> he got the idea from them that like to stand up for american values you go to the press and uh, NBC declined to interview him. I bet they're regretting that now because their ratings <laughs> would have been through the roof. But it's a great video. It's a good moment. And again, for me, as a mother of school age kids, it was like, this is why we get them out of the system, because the the education expert in the room was doing everything wrong when it comes to forming young people and modeling for them greatness of character, uh, curiosity, intellectual inquiry. Um, it was just paper pushing. It was like a DMV moment. I mean, she I was like, this woman belongs at the DMV. It kind of reminds me of what Tucker said about HR. Like, you can't talk man to man or woman to woman. Mm -hmm. You have to, like, 
go through this bizarre policy that do- isn't historically based or makes sense. It's like, oh, you know, I'm I'm just following the policy, but like you can't be here, you can't attend classes. Like we're talking about a kid who's like a straight A student. They're learning about the American Revolution right now. Yeah, they're studying and the revolution. Like, the best that this person could offer was I'm just following the policy is okay. like and this, so infuriating. That Tom is where this this came to me as I was thinking about it last night, actually like replaying it in my head. And yeah, I'm a little over obsessed, like shouldn't be letting it bother me so much. But what it reminded me of was the opening chapter in Rod Dreher's book, Live Not by Lies. And I just thought about the way that that administrator was enforcing the policy, taking this child out of school in order to like protect other children. She's like, well, we just don't want that flag around the other kids. Like it's going to, you know, hurt them or something. And that- Just the trans flags though. That's exactly. Fine. And it was like this, the woman is choosing to live by a lie. There, There is no- evidence that this flag was used to promote slavery um there is no it just this was an unjust law and this woman by participating in that system unthinkingly and unblinkingly and looking at that kid that way she's living by the lie and that's what we have to resist as individuals in this country is don't be that cog in the wheel don't live by lies and for me that was the takeaway well it's interesting too i mean as a as you mentioned it was a charter school so Technically, it's a public school, but it's privately run. And, you know, a- advocates of school choice and educational reform have said it'd be nice to break up this public school monopoly and allow uh, parents to send their kids to private schools, to send them to public charter schools, and just to try to break free of this kind of, you know, monolithic, uh, bureaucratic educational system. But it's not perfect. You know, so this this is a uh, a charter school that is privately run, but it sounds like it's pretty darn terrible. Um, you know, and the same thing I would say, like I recommend child, uh, parents to take their kids to Catholic schools if they have the uh, if they have that option. But you still need to make sure that the Catholic school is good. Like the local Catholic grade school I send my children to is pretty good right now, but thirty years ago it was pretty terrible. And uh, so I wouldn't have sent them, you know, I had friends who said, no, we couldn't send them to because this is what they taught back then. And I said, well, I'm I'm sure glad it's a lot better now. So the idea is it's eternal vigilance. We mentioned this. I wrote a a chapter in uh, the newest um, Edify ebook where people ask us this, like, hey, you know, because we get this question a lot, like, okay, so you're so big on school choice, but, you know, what if the government uses that as a means to try to transform Catholic education. And my point is like, they don't even need school choice to do that. There's the larger bureaucratic movement and cultural, um, you know, milieu as it were. We have to be vigilant as parents, uh, as grandparents. Uh, We have to get in there and say, no, we need to make sure that we're staying true to our Catholic identity if we're a Catholic school or in this case, a public charter school. Now this public charter school in question actually claimed, oh, you know, we're based on the Hillsdale College Academy system. So I, I had my friend who was at Hillsdale College, a proud alumnus myself. She's like, yeah, dude, no, no, they are not. They are not affiliated <laughs> with us. I mean, they weren't before, and, and you get the idea. They're definitely not after this. So, you know, people are trying to kind of hoodwink people. Oh, no, we're, 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 we're solid, you know. Yeah, and uh, we have some happy updates because uh, a bunch of, civil rights groups reached out and she even mentioned like the ACLU says that this is fine. Like you can't, yeah. like what you're doing right now is wrong. So a bunch of civil rights groups have reached out and said, yeah, we'll, we'll defend you if you go to court. This is ridiculous. So you're saying the ACLU is defending the student? Yeah. Well, she said the ACLU guidelines, he fits under those guidelines. I'm not saying that, you know, the yeah. ACLU is going to step up, but like that's how ridiculous the policy is. So even is. the pure evil ACLU backs the parents. Right. Yeah. And so, okay. uh, you know, people have stepped up, said, hey, we'll fund the legal defense. And he, uh, Basically, he went to school the next day, still wore the patch. Also, he was wearing a, a St. Michael patch on his backpack. Yeah. Uh, need I mention, uh, maybe we need to shoot him some St. Michael merch that we have here. But uh, So he goes back to school, and the next day he actually wore a uh, tri-corner hat because he's running hat. for- yeah. He's running for uh, Lexington and Concord reenactment going on there. Good job, Jaden. Future governor I mean, right there. Talk, about, talk about understanding political headwinds and capturing the moment. Like The kid goes into the tri-corner, and then he stopped by- uh, one of the teacher's uh, uh, cars, and the car had like 20 stickers on it of like coexist, you know, trans sticker, environmental, like all these causes, right? And he's like, oh, interesting. Like these are all fine. 
Um, but I, I think so. Ha- happy resolution there with Jaden and, and like a great example of a young man who's standing up for his principles, actually embodying what that flag means and what it means to be an American. But quite the opposite is uh, these administrators who are just blindly following orders that don't, they're not based in history, but they follow them anyway, and they're not questioning them. And I think one of the things that I want to bring up, because there's some other things going on right now that I think are worth talking about, are potential mask mandates are coming back, uh, vaccines are coming back, potentially uh, President Biden said he's going to create a new one. So Morris Brown College in Atlanta reinstituted a mask mandate recently, and that kind of started off a, a craze of some other places saying, oh, should we bring it back? Should we make it happen? And honestly, when I saw the uh, Jaden story, the first thing I thought about were who were the most ruthless enforcers of mask mandates, which might I add all relevant studies and science have said this actually was worse for public health because it, it helped people get sick because you can't breathe through it. It didn't really stop the spread of COVID at all. That's not based in science in the least. And yet you have, honestly, I'm going to say it, a lot of women specifically were the most ruthless enforcers of the regime. I think because there's some sort of social virtue associated with trying to tell other people to do what they thought was right. But um, the amount of times I was yelled at, it definitely wasn't men who were the ones yelling at me for pull your mask up or put it on. I mean, I, of course, was a little bit of an instigator and didn't wear it as long as possible, especially in the airport, because it is anti-science and not true. But I'm a little bit nervous, I think, about these things coming back. And I think it's partially because we didn't People didn't make a strong enough stand on them previously and, and announced to everyone this is anti-science or is the American spirit just so broken at this point that we would just, we don't have the fortitude to stand up against something that's wrong all because we want to fit in socially and be nice. I mean, it sounds almost very Canadian to me, but that's kind of the impression I'm getting. <laughs> don't be Canadian. Oh, Canadian. That's a good, actually a good example. Yeah. Let me Let me just pit on that one for a second. Because the governments of Canada and the United States in the 1970s tried to force their countries to adopt the metric system. And the Canadians are like, oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. And they just did you know, it. Sure. And so every time we watch baseball, you know, they're playing it against Toronto. And you're like, what the heck? Oh, yeah. All right. Meters. <laughs> <laughs> but so they try to do the United States, though, and they changed the, like, the, the speed limit signs to kilometers. Americans just start shooting at these signs and they take them down. And like, no, we're not doing this. Like, we ha- we still had that Yankee, you know, independence. Get the gun I out. say Yankees. Yeah. yeah, we were just like, we're not putting up with this stuff. By the way, you know, I love it when people are like, yeah, I know, and Americans are kind of we don't we don't we we're too independent, too rambunctious, but the metric system is better. It's like no. <laughs> No, it's not. Nice try sliding that in there. Imperial system all the way. <laughs> I'm I, I to to my death. I love my yards system. and inches. It's more natural, yeah. by the way. It's more natural. Well, base twelve system. Base twelve is better. More divisible. It's more common sense. It's based on a f- and the distance based on a foot. Honestly, like, go that up. makes sense. This is I'm, great. Gonna, I'm gonna say <laughs> it. I don't care if this is quirky. You know, Jimmy Carter and he tries to oppose the American people. The American people are like. Nah, I mean, we you barely got elected, and it was because the other guy was a total liar. We're not just going to go change everything we do. Did just he want to uh, measure the gas lines in the metric system or in feet? Yeah, yeah. well, maybe that would be the way to convince <laughs> the, the gas line shortages weren't so bad. Like, it's only, you know, 20 more meters so you can fill up, you know, <laughs> your gas. <laughs> no, but it, it's true, though, that, like, you get this system, like, Americans had that kind of you know, rambunctiousness where we weren't just compliant. And boy, oh boy, did that change with the pandemic. I mean, come on, man. Right. And I think we've we've touched on this before where in the early days of the pandemic where we just really didn't know that much, you know, especially those first two or three weeks where they're like two weeks to flatten the curve, you can understand a certain amount of compliance, right? Because like, okay, you know, let's see, let's play this thing out. At this point to what are we, three years later, three and a half years later, we actually have data points, people. Like going back to the, the Gadsden flag there, like there's actual historical evidence that we can look at these claims and say, okay, is this a slavery flag? Okay, is COVID real? You know, do masks actually protect people from COVID in a school setting? Answer no, because kindergartners suck on their masks. And I think that, you know, this came out this week as well. Coming out of the CDC, we still have data problems that throw into question reinstating these COVID restrictions like social distancing, masking, 
Uh, are we going to mandate vaccines again? So this came out of the CDC last week. They reported 324 COVID deaths. This was last week's data. 90% of those COVID deaths, however, if you dig under that number of 324, COVID was not actually the primary driver, which means that they're they're exaggerating this. So again, like of the 324, we're talking fewer than 2% of those cases actually were attributing the primary cause of death to COVID-19. But the way the media reports it, and the way policymakers, people in power in the government bureaucracy, use those numbers is to justify things like another mask mandate. Let's spend billions of dollars developing a new vaccine that everyone will have to take regardless of vaccination or COVID history status. And I, again, like we need as an American people to be stopping and thinking and actually weighing the data that these policies are that people are using to justify these radical policies again. And Josh, you've talked about this a lot, right? That people really suffered. Lives were really destroyed by these lockdown policies. So it is worthy yeah. of our attention to actually use our brains and not just be like, well, Karine Jean-Pierre said I had to take the vaccine. <laughs> so, Well, here's the thing, Erica, it always makes me think back. It's so appropriate. And I still have not watched Breaking Bad, but for those who have <laughs> seen it, yeah. it's uh, the scene the where- scene. He uh, was a kill. He kills the brother-in-law or mm-hmm. something, or the the, the brother-in-law. The drug gets lord killed takes and, the brother-in-law, and he's pleading for his brother-in-law's life. Yeah, and he's life. just like blabbering, like "Please save me, save me!" And and uh, the guy was like, "They knew they were going to kill you before this even started. Like, don't don't beg for mercy. That they, they were going to do what they're going to do already." And so, for all the people that thought like, "Oh well, I really don't want to take the vaccine, or I don't want to wear this mask off of like you know personal." decision making, but I'm going to do it because, you know, once I do, then it'll be over. Right. Like, right. They'll leave me alone. Welcome back. They're not leaving you alone. They're coming back for you. And if you would have had the spine to make some sacrifices at the time for your personal principle, we wouldn't be in this situation again. There'd be no way this is happening right now. Maybe this whole pandemic thing, I know it sounds kind of crazy to say it might be, it might be a blessing in disguise in a sense, because I feel like American society for decades now, you know, like I talked about the revolt over the metric system in the seventies, but like the, the amount of like personal freedoms that we've been willing to give away that keep increasing, unfortunately, every year and every year until we get to the point where we have this lockdown. It was only for two weeks, right? To say the cure. And then it becomes like two years and Americans, I think, kind of soberingly understood, like, wow, like, how did that just happen? Like, we can't even go to church, you know? I'm like, here in Michigan, it was crazy. Like, you could go to the casino, you yeah. know? You could go to the dentist because the governor's husband is a dentist. <laughs> but you, you could go to Walmart to buy food, but you can't go to Walmart to buy seeds. Yeah, seeds for can't, your garden. can't buy seeds to, to plant garden. It's just absolute insanity. And so we keep giving away all this stuff. and. It was kind of that moment where I think a lot of, you know, it's like they say that there's the tale, like if you put a, um, a frog in boiling water, he'll jump out. But if you put him in a pot and slowly cook it, he won't and you'll kill him that way. And so maybe in a sense, this could be the kind of thing where people are like, whoa, wait a minute. But it requires us to fight back and it requires courage. And I applaud people like Governor DeSantis in Florida who said, wait a minute now, this isn't working. And he, and he went against everybody and sort of opening things back up. And in fact, I think the game-winning RBI in this fight over the pandemic was the judge in Florida who just said, the heck with this. This was in April of 2022, and it was a district judge. Her name was Catherine Mizell, and she just said, no, 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 no. You can't just impose this um, you know, COVID mandate on, tra- on public transportation. And so she pulled it away. And that was like the one thing that was still kind of keeping this regime, this lockdown regime kind of in, in focus. And and with that, it was like, we're done with mm-hmm. it. And I saw a change where people were like, no, no, we're, we're not wearing it anymore anywhere. Screw this. Except you know, to go to some places where the percentage of white liberal women is way too high, like the Chicago suburbs. To get back to white liberal women, uh, Josh, and that's a good point, but I wanted to, to touch on this as well. So in Montgomery County, so we actually interviewed uh, from... I believe it was Beckett, right? The uh, William J. Howe, he's from Beckett Law. He was taking on this case in Montgomery County where 
uh, it was actually a coalition of a couple different faiths, but Catholics were involved as well. There was no opportunity for, I believe, pre-K to, it was elementary school, pre-K elementary school were being forced to read these pride books. And so you can actually opt out of a Halloween party on religious grounds. You can opt out of a Valentine's Day card exchange for religious grounds. You couldn't opt out of reading these pride books to having these pride books read to your kids. Well, in the school. interesting thing was what the school had done, what the school district had done. The, the books were originally part of SEO learning, so social, emotional, like health, sexuality learning, which parents are allowed to opt out of. The school moved them to the English curriculum, English literature, which is not opt out of. You can't opt out of because it's academic. And as you're about to say, Montgomery County last week ruled that, in fact, that's okay. Parents cannot opt out of the public school curriculum, if English. In no scenario is this not going to get appealed. So mm-hmm. I look forward to the appeal on this because this is just completely outrageous. Wait. Bring it. But I, I also want to talk about with you guys too, and I think this kind of gets to more of the grassroots of Catholic vote. I think for so long, you know, uh, men specifically, I think ambitious people, I, I'm going to put this out to everyone, they go out and they become producers or they, they strike out in business. You know, America has a very entrepreneurial spirit. It's a part of the DNA of the nation. But when they're out doing that, I feel like they've kind of let the we as a collective kind of let the foxes run the hen houses in terms of schools so when it comes to school board elections we got distracted and the people who got on these school boards are activists these are people that are not ambitious they want to have the little amount of you know power that they can have so that they can literally put you know lgbtq tinged porn in front of your kids and make that a priority for the school district and now you have all of the teachers or all of the administrators just saying, well, that's the policy that's laid down by superintendent that's laid down by the school board. And so some of the most viral clips that we've seen have been parents confronting the school boards and like pointing at them and saying, hey, get this out or I'm going to replace you. We are going to replace you. And so I think the key- That's the best part yeah. too is when the when the uh, the school boards would cut the microphones of parents who are reading the books in the schools. Like, okay, so this book is acceptable for elementary schools- students that you have it in your library, but if I read it out loud, you're going to cut off my microphone? I'm not kidding. I saw another one of those yesterday. These are still happening. You would yeah, think this would be all done by now. So many Americans just assume, well, if you if you bring attention to their blatant lies, if, they're, if you call attention to their hypocrisy, then they'll be shamed. No. And they'll finally, no you shame. know, ba- and it's like, and, and and we're coming to this realization more and more Americans now over the last few years, when you see stuff like that, like how... If I read this book to the school board and they and everyone hears it out loud and then everyone will realize this is smut and it should not be allowed in this elementary school library. Surely, right? And they're like, no, 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 actually, that's gross. I'm, uh, I'm not going to let you speak it in front of this crowd. It's like, if it's gross and indecent and vile, get it out of the library. No, they don't care. But the thing is, what we're starting to understand and we're, and we're all kind of waking up to this is that these people are in love with power, and they and they're and honestly, I think we've we've kind of lost a little bit of a, uh, an understanding of evil. We don't like to say that um, as much anymore. Now, I don't like to automatically assume my opponents are evil. I'm not saying that, but at, at, at the end of the day, you you need to be able to say. This is wicked that you would have this book in your school library. And if you won't stand up to it, in fact, if your response to this is to try to shoot the messenger or unplug the microphone, you're the problem. And you start to understand, like, I, 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 I don't need a reason with this person anymore. I need to remove them from power. That's, that's really what it's getting down to. And we talk about this. We encourage people to run for office, run for your school board. Because honestly, we can't have this anymore. No, we can't. And that, you made such good points there. But what's cool about these school board elections is if you, especially if you're removing someone that is so publicly is betraying and evil your, to your kids, you can get enough attention and momentum to win one of these seats, really. Like it's, the, it's actually like the complete basic cell of government is like one of these positions. So if you get together with, say, your church community or people who are of like mind, uh, in terms of education, you can win one of these seats. Absolutely. And you can get in and make a huge difference 
because some of this stuff is like can only happen through un unanimous consent. So if you're a one person on there that's got some like a sense, you're like, no, absolutely, I'm going to be the stopper. You can gum up the works and stop some of the stuff. Yeah, which is, by the way, why the orga organizations like Moms for Liberty who have said like we shouldn't have this kind of stuff, right, are so dangerous to the current regime, right? Like, wait a minute. We want to be able to push this propaganda on school children and these mom for liberty types. They're trying to stop us. Then that's why they submitted that letter, the school board associations to Merrick Garland saying, hey, you know, it'd be really nice if you could just kind of basically say these guys are terrorists. You know? Which he did, which he was happy to do, by the way. Right. He's like, sure. Of course he played along. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm game for he it. He basically is a white liberal woman. I mean, ah, thank you. I mean, there's many. Nice. <laughs> for as many problems as I had with Mitch McConnell, he did prevent us from having Supreme Court Justice Merrick mm -hmm. Garland. And God bless him for that. Seriously. It's his legacy. It's about it. But that's um, his legacy. Good. But yeah, I, I kind of like the idea, too, of uh, going on the offense, you know, and mm -hmm. I think so often, especially Absolutely. as Catholics and as parents, like we we often are in defense mode because we're just thinking of ways to defend our children. And there is a true virtue associated with action, going on offense, making things happen. And like, I always want that to be the spirit of this podcast, of this community of like, these are people that actually are, are active and want to get going. So one thing that we did here that I want to bring attention to, I think could be a great guide for people looking to make some change in terms of education is uh, Josh kind of mentioned it. We wrote an ebook uh, specifically on education, and we have two of the authors of two of the chapters here. We have Erica and Josh. Um, so Erica, can you start up with, uh, first off, what was the inspiration behind writing this book, this resource, and what was your chapter specifically on? Sure. So the Edify ebook, The Education Revolution, we wanted to release it right at the start of the school season. And, you know, we were looking at the Edify videos. If you are not subscribed to them on YouTube, I'd recommend you go check it out. And we had a collection of sort of disparate videos that all touched on this topic of education, of parents making a difference of um, different trends in the educational establishment. We're like, well, let's bring them all together, add a couple of chapters, and really give parents um, and school administrators, and even I would say, you know, priests, pastors, religious who are involved in Catholic education and any education, um, some real tools that will help them to make these changes that we've been talking about uh, in this episode. So we have, uh, you know, a couple of uh, chapters on... Actually, the thing is, we have a special right now, too. It's a BOGO deal. Buy one for free, get another one for free. <laughs> Again, yeah, totally free. Download that, <laughs> give it to your friends. That's the point here, guys. Yeah, yeah it's completely free. Yeah, one of my favorite, um, I, I wrote a chapter called The Search for Good Education, and, you know, the, the pitch is COVID, uh, you know, inspired a lot of parents to kind of look behind the curtain and see what's actually going on in their kids' school lives. The remote learning, yeah, and not only discovering the total like academic failure that oh my kid's not learning math, uh, to the um, the ideological brainwashing that was going on in many of these academic classes, and you know parents really need to stop like we've said on this podcast, stop, recreate, redirect, reevaluate your child's education. So I give parents a list of you know four action items to take four questions to ask, um, and then there's a series of study questions and further reading you can do to start to evaluate. And, and every chapter in the book has uh, study questions for discussion if parents want to get together and go through the book. Uh, most of the chapters have an accompanying video and podcast and further reading list. So I'd, I'd highly recommend it. If you and a group of parents in your area have been asking these questions, what can we do? This would be a great place to get started, get together, have a reading group this fall and really start to make some changes uh, at your local level. And uh, if, you, if you'd like to, you know, show your appreciation to the, to the hardest working podcast out there, the Loopcast, we're out here writing eBooks, we're out here doing episodes, we're doing interviews, uh, give us a review, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, like the episode. I appreciate been seeing you guys. But, and I almost like want to say too, like we give teachers a hard time because of how bad it was during COVID. But honestly, a lot of times it's not the teachers. In some cases, it is there's an activist teacher, but it's like the administration that's handing them down garbage and then they get their hands kind of wrung 
And so it's not even really like the teacher themselves all the time. It's like our current system, public school system is vapid and it's been taken over by activists. So like, if you are a good teacher in that system, you're against the grain. You're an, basically an anomaly because it'd be easier to go along with the well, terrible you're a target. guidelines. Yeah, you're a target. Exactly. And then yeah. you, right. And then how exhausting is that to be attacked all the time and then have to go turn around and teach kids, which is exhausting as it is. So tough, tough situation for 100%. people. Um, but anyway, I, I just, I, yeah, I appreciate all, like, I think of like my mom, like you, Erica, like people that are really trying to like edify children with good education, give them a firm foundation, help them to understand truth and reality. Exactly. But like if education, the point of education is to reveal truth and to give one a foundation in reality. If that's not happening right now, we're wasting our time. That's why I'm like, public school has just become such a waste of time in my opinion. And like, we could be creating these, like the next generation of leaders, but instead we're like trying to create, you know, cogs in a big machine that I don't think has good ends. So, uh, on to church corner. Uh, so Pope Francis has made some statements lately that have gotten some people buzzing. And interestingly, uh, specifically liberal Catholics have kind of had two different reactions to both statements. One was about how the American Catholic church, uh, is stuck in, you know, this kind of backwards facing, uh, reactionary, uh, they're, they're not, they're not progressive enough. And of course he's talking about Rigid. the Latin Backwards Rigid. facing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The liberal, ch- the liberal church that wants us stuck in 1975. <laughs> says, right. And so, okay. so Pope Francis says this, however, around the same time, he also said to Russians specifically that they come from the great Russian, the, the church of the great mother Russia, uh, of all of these amazing Russian saints, like th- that is their great tradition, great tradition. Right. And Okay, this is my number one of all time annoying thing. Go for of it, all. go for it, Josh. Every culture is expected and and actually respected and honored if they revere their traditions and customs. So Hope can go to Russia and say, You have you have, you're a proud people, you have great traditions. You should embrace that history and tradition and heritage. Except for what? People in the United States of America? Like, why am I I'm not allowed to. I don't understand this. Right? The Gadsden flag. We got to rip it off your jacket. We can't, I can't have it on your backpack with a kid in second grade or whatever. So, Josh, before you, before you uh, bite my head off, uh, oh, there, there's, there's parallels here because uh, I believe a minister in Ukraine was upset at the comment saying that you're, you're just feeling the aggressors and liberal Catholics went to go run press and say, well, he didn't really mean that. Uh, he was kind of saying this because anything associated with Russia being positive is like basically the worst sin you could have other than being um, attending Latin mass, of course. Uh, but <laughs> what really set the powder keg off was, you know, Pope Francis, you know, he is the Pope of the Catholic Church. He's our Holy Father. We need to pray for him, of course. However, there's we a- definitely need to pray correct. for him. But there's a lot of activists specifically within the American Catholic Church that like to use things that Pope Francis says for to advance their causes and so one example of this is his name to advance they like to weaponize it <laughs> that's a better, better way of for phrasing sure. it thank you but there's there's a guy his name's mike lewis i almost hate to even bring him attention because he's so irrelevant but i guess we're talking about him he's a, he's a really good troll so he has a podcast with Jeannie gaffigan that's about his best contribution to the world so far <laughs> um he uh does this podcast but he also uh has a phrase he likes to use called team francis got a website where peter is it's a pro papal website, but basically uh, he saw that Scott Hahn, who many of you know from tapes in the 90s probably, or Rome Sweet Home, uh, uh, probably one of the most famous converts to Catholicism in recent years, uh, great theologian, uh, he said on a Facebook post uh, to something Bishop Strickland said. So for those who are not aware of the, the battle lines here, Bishop Strickland is like the Antichrist in America. Like, Mike Lewis hates him. According Liberal to Mike Catholics Lewis. hate him right. so much. <laughs> like, he is like schism.com according to certain people so <laughs> total lightning rod. Yeah, oh yeah so yeah. so scott Hahn says thank you for your inspiring words on a post that he said right and so mike lewis well because the, the, what's just a little context here a little context bishop strickland has got an apostolic visitation and so conservatives are freaking out that you know is the pope coming after bishop strickland and so scott Hahn is a considered to be a little bit more on the conservative side of things right and he said something positive about what bishop strickland said 
So that popped off this guy, Mike Lewis. In a cra- he's this Catholic lefty. He lost it. Uh-huh. Yep. And so he, he kind of loses it, and he's kind of known for being aggressive on Twitter, but he got um, one of the biggest dunk ons I think I've seen in a long time where everyone and their mom was like, are you seriously attacking Scott Hahn <laughs> for not being quote-unquote Team Francis? Like, we're talking about the, the cassette guy, right? Like, the guy that converted all these people to Catholicism, like, you know, got a rosy radio voice, like, just such an inspiration to so many people. Like, and like, who are you? Um, so I think this kind of, like, I was hoping this could open up a discussion, like, are we, what, like, where do we even go from here? Because I feel like the distinction of Team Francis is kind of a toxic distinction. Absolutely. Can't we rise right. above that and be Catholic universal and not have these kind of catty infights of like, are you Team Francis or not? And if you're Maybe. not, I don't know. Maybe, but I mean, but Pope seemed to have, have, have cleared the runway here for Catholics in the United States to liberal Catholics to attack conservatives because he. this is yet again another time where Pope Francis has attacked the reactionary conservative Catholics in the United States. So he's basically cleared the runway for people like Mike Lewis to attack us. And, and I, I find it bewildering that, you know, the chair of Peter, you would think would be a unifying force for Catholics, but uh, he seems to be pretty divisive. He wants, uh, you know, so Mike Lewis, you know, he's a dutiful soldier uh, on the Catholic left. He decides to attack Scott Hahn. Which, you know, for, I mean, he's about as, I, I like Scott Hahn. He's a very smart guy. And he's, he's not radical. He's not, he doesn't use all caps and scream. Scott Hahn is, a, is, I guess you would say conservative, I guess, sure. But he's not extreme in any way. And he's always shows deference and respect. And, you know, he's, a, he's as you say, he's a, a pretty accomplished uh, writer, uh, smart theologian. And so for, Mike Lewis is Catholic lefty to just ascribe to him. He's a reactionary right-wing figure. It, 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 just everyone in the church is like, wait, what? You're, you're going with this? And then so people start calling this Mike Lewis out. Now, hold on. They say like, wait a minute now. Like, you know, what is your whole shtick here? Because he's got this website where Peter is. And he's, I'm pro-pope. See, and this is the greatest thing in the world, right? So now that we have a pope who seems to be against you know, conservative Catholicism and against traditionalism in any way. The left has has been emboldened now in the United States. The Catholic left that was kind of in shambles after, you know, two successive papacies. The they're kind of clinging on for Benedict. dear life. And then and then 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 Pope Francis, you know, gives them a jolt of energy and they started going after her. even Scott Hahn. It just kind of cracks me up. And so Someone's like, well, wait a minute now, you're this, this, you know, Mike Lewis, you're this Catholic left, you're, you keep talking about now how much you love the Pope and the papacy, and boy, why aren't conservative Catholics pro-Pope, and gee, I thought we're Catholic, we should be in favor of the papacy. Someone calls him out on it. And this is what this guy says. I mean, in politics, we, we understood, in politics, it's a gaffe when you accidentally tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> and so this guy's asked this, like, Hey, wait a minute now. You're so pro Pope. Give it to me straight. And he said, if Burke, Cardinal Burke, right? He says, if Burke becomes Pope, which he won't, assuming he still has the same beliefs in theology and uh, uh, ecclesiology, this is this Catholic lefty, Mike Lewis. He says, I would either shut down the site, his site, his pro Pope site, I would shut down the site. Or hand it over to someone who is committed to supporting the site's mission, which is to support the right. Pope. <laughs> I mean, chapter and verse, this guy's like, I have this website to support the Pope because I like this Pope, only this Pope, who is like, you know, very left wing on economics and, and against and hates traditionalists. Meanwhile, his shtick is, you crazy conservative dissident right wing reactionary traditionalist, blah, 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 you know, pick your poison <laughs> Catholics. You're, you are disobeying the teaching of the church on the papacy because you don't like Francis. The part of his, of his column where he's attacking Scott Hahn that really gets to me is that, or just, it's just laughable. It's not even like it gets to me, but he calls Scott Hahn, so he's aligned himself with the dissident anti-papal wing of the church. I mean, if you read any of Scott Hahn's 40 plus books that have been published in the last 50 years, he is an an avid supporter and apologist for 
the teaching that we just heard at Mass a couple Sundays ago, the keys of the kingdom given to St. Peter, uh, loyalty, like a list, and, and just this clear elucidation, despite Julius II and despite the Borgias, right? Like it's, it's that the church <laughs> right. will persist. Francis is, I mean, he's confusing. That's the nice way of putting it. But we've seen this before, and the church has persisted. And Scott Hahn is the foremost apologist for this. So to be attacked as like aligning yourself with the dissidents, I'm like, okay, give me one doctrine on which Scott Hahn is a dissident. He doesn't. He just name calls. He's guilt by association with all these people who are also he. Mike Lewis fails to point to one doctrine where any of these people he names as right wing ideologues. And then, get this, then he's like, for those of us concerned with a right-wing schism in America, I'm like, wait, schism? <laughs> I Have you seen Germany? I mean, <laughs> Mike, like, right-wing schism could happen. It, I mean, Father James Altman, last summer we talked about him on this podcast, like, disowning the Pope, saying there's no Pope after Benedict, blah, blah. That is problematic, absolutely. And that's, you know... Floating with schism and excommunication, all that. Right, but you don't. You don't even need to give him that, Erica. But I don't need to give him that. But you don't need to give him that. Okay, thanks. It went nowhere. <laughs> it went nowhere. Yeah, yeah. And again, like we have. Meanwhile, the bishops problem is in still Germany, Father James Martin like, and this well theology of sexuality. Yeah. Funny, funny you mentioned him. He did have him on his podcast. If you want to go listen to that episode, <laughs> I would I recommend don't, it. Really, um, actually. Um, yeah. So anyway, we we now move on into our lifestyle section, and this one. So you know, we have some internal conversations here at Catholic Vote. We uh, see which articles do the best on our website. And so we had a, actually, I don't think this was one of our articles. We saw how many people clicked on it, but the attention it generates. And there was a little bit of, usually we kind of know, you know, like, okay, this one's going to do pretty well. This one, you know, we don't think it maybe is going to do as well. Uh, this one was a, a little bit polarizing. Some people thought it was going to do great. Some people thought it wasn't. And uh, I'm happy to report this one kind of blew up. So the title was, is it a sin to buy from Starbucks? Great title, fantastic title. Already fires me. That up. was our blurb. That was not the the article itself. That was that was our blurb for this Catholic 101. This is the Catholic. Who wrote it? Okay, so this was uh, from the Catholic thing, and no, but who wrote the blurb? I want to give them credit. Oh, that was me. Erica, congratulations! <laughs> Great title. Bait. It just fires me up when I see a good title. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All so right. go go into it. Here. Yeah. So the reason we're bringing this up is because if you, the loop readers, voted. This would be all we talked about this week because last week this Catholic 101, which usually doesn't, it's not like a top clicker. People are like, oh, what's the, just?" well, I mean, it, it's big. Lifestyle is usually top. Yeah, it depends. Um, but this was bigger than the Elon Musk story. It was bigger than Trump, Trump's mugshot, believe it or not. And uh, the, the clickbait was, is it a sin to buy from Starbucks? The article itself was on the difference between formal and material cooperation with evil, which is a Thomistic distinction. That people use to evaluate, okay, you know, is this action supporting this company a sin? And lots of you probably clicked because you wanted the answer. Is it a sin to buy from Starbucks? And that's not what you got, which is why I'd picked this article. So the case that he offered, <laughs> the case that he offered was, let's say I own stock in a company, uh, perhaps directly or part of my mutual fund, and say the company supports abortion or abuses female employees or fails to pay a living wage, take your pick of what the company does. And we all fall into the, we all face these questions day by day. And the question is, am I obliged by my Catholic faith to sell my stock in this company because they say donate to Planned Parenthood? All right. And another case that's often presented to Catholics, and we've touched on it a lot this year, is am I obliged morally to stop buying from Target? And am I obliged morally to stop buying Starbucks Green Goddess Coffee? Um, and this comes up all the time in the homeschool mom circles. There's kind of a divide, the moms who show up with Dunkin' Donuts versus those who show up with the Green Goddess. And there's definitely some judginess going on. So this is a this is a hot topic that touches us in our daily lives. Just, just do just do pour over coffee and be a snob. I, yeah, exactly. Or, or just press, don't drink Starbucks because it tastes terrible. Oh, <laughs> I know, right? Oh, burnt beans. So bad. Disgusting burnt coffee. <sighs> but that's not Gross. what we're here to talk about. We're not right. here to talk about coffee. We're not here I to tried judge the, it, the yeah. relative merits of different sinful coffee <laughs> companies. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so the article talks about not so much answering that question of whether it's a sin, but he, the actual issue with approaching these moral questions with the question of how far can I go before I'm sinning, right? And his, his concern he, he writes about is instead of asking what good 
can I and should I do in the world, even if it involves sacrifice on my part, is that as Catholics, we find ourselves asking, how far can I go before I'm blameworthy, before I've sinned, right? And we talk- Yeah, not the best way to look exactly. at it. Exactly. Yeah. So when we start asking questions or looking at our neighbor buying the Starbucks and being like, gosh, I wonder if that's a sin or like we should be doing that or, oh, they didn't, they're drinking Bud Light or they're buying from Target, that the question should be a personal question of, um, you know- Cooperating with evil is going to be part and parcel of our daily lives. But in what ways in my life can I grow in virtue? Can I make decisions? Can I make a sacrifice that will make a difference? And I think what we saw with Bud Light and Target this summer um, was that when enough people make that call for themselves and they join together and say, I'm willing to give up the dollar bins at Target or the $3 Target bins, because I can live without that in order to take a stand morally. When enough people approach moral questions like that in that light to resist evil and become as much possible instruments of good, it actually makes a change in society. I like the way that you put that. Like you look at it as an opportunity rather than the negative. So like looking yeah. at it in the positive light as like an opportunity to how can I slowly improve and like make conscious choices to that more align with my values rather than just thinking about everything kind of maybe over scrupulosity where it's like oh my gosh was that a sin was that a sin was that a sin like well, casual, the, the mindset that that's like how jesuits look at the world people stop looking at the world like a jesuit and be like how far can i go how many angels on the head of a pin like start looking <laughs> at the world like a dominican game and, over uh, yeah. mm -hmm. erica you just won this whole argument <laughs> it's no all. more jesuit casualistry Mm. That is so good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to just give a little preview. I'm reading this book right now. That was a new. I'm getting ready to uh, interview the author. Um. Oh my gosh! Hold on. I have to. I have to show this cover. All right. Commercial break. Josh, do you know any dances or special talents? Or oh, okay, we're back. So I'm, re <laughs> I'm reading this book, "Woke Proof Your Life," right now, um, by Teresa Mule. Just came out with um crisis publications so you can see who's behind it crisis magazine of course but um this book is a great way i cannot wait to interview her so watch for that interview coming up about it's called woke proof your life and so much of what she's suggesting in this book for making our lives better and less starbucks oriented not and again i'm not saying like starbucks is a sin maybe you're not there in your life maybe it's the only coffee in your life it's just gross it's just gross okay just thanks josh but it's a, it's a great, uh, you know, view into, okay, how can I incrementally begin to be more of a light in the world and less of a participant in evil structures? Um, so again, stay tuned for that interview with Teresa Mool. I cannot wait to, to do this I one. would rather have instant coffee. That's, that is indeed a vituperation. You Josh. basically do. You have Keur you you drink Keurig. Yeah, that is and like actually, Josh, you don't even drink coffee. You drink like two thirds, half and half, and like a splash of coffee <laughs> on top. So I don't know about this. Like, oh, putting them on. Josh blast. is gonna. <laughs> Josh is like <laughs> critical of coffee flavor. You don't even taste the coffee, man. Come on. All right, and I <laughs> that's need to, the point, um, right? Look, I gotta, I gotta say this too. This I drink is, it for its drug enhancing effects. Look, the, you know? the baby, my uh, baby Twilight Zone this week was. Uh, at about 5.15 p.m., I th Josh, as many dads do, I think, fell asleep, um, which, you know, after a long day of work, could be tough. And In the afternoon, uh, right? Yeah, and someone someone in his family got a hold of his phone. And so <laughs> I got a lot of nonsensical uh, slacks about going to Culver's. So, And I did <laughs> confirm it was his daughter, and yes, they did go to Culver's, but I thought Josh was having a stroke for a second because... It was like nothing was spelled right. There's like weird capitalization. I was like, what the heck is going on here? And then I get a text a couple hours later. Like, yeah, yeah, I fell asleep. <laughs> My daughter got the phone. So that's great. Uh, baby Twilight Zone. It wasn't even the phone. It was, it was, I have a little setup in my, <laughs> my home office where I have this big monitor and a keyboard. And I plug my computer in, but the monitor was turned off. So she just thought she could bat away on this <laughs> keyboard like there was no big deal. And the she whole time she's sending messages to you, yep. sending yeah. messages to Erica. Yeah. It was great. Was awesome. It was pretty funny. I was, I was, like, I got okay, a good fine. Uh, we'll go to Culver's if you yeah. just put the <laughs> keyboard down. <laughs> just put, step away from the step keyboard. Step away from People the keyboard. People are going to think I have a stroke here. <laughs> All right. So we move into the real Twilight Zone now. Erica, what do you have this week? I don't even know where to start. First of all, because my Twilight Zone pick became the top story with the Gadsden flag. 
But I'm going to go with our school back to school theme today. Uh, the, it's back to school time, and that means it's also time for parents to be aware of Sex on the School Calendar 2023-24 edition. And I have to, this is one of those um, grassroots efforts from parents across these deep blue states. Uh, this is from uh, the, the Massachusetts Family Organization. Uh, it's a lot like the Family Institute of Connecticut, our good friend Peter Wolfgang runs. But they're basically a watchdog, and they are gathering parents um, across a co- broad coalition. I mean, Massachusetts, deep blue socialists, but they have um, they alert parents to things that they need to be aware of. So I, I'm on their list. I get their sex on the school calendar list for the year and saying, is your school celebrating these dates? I opened it up. It's like every freaking week of the school year. Every month, October alone has two whole weeks set aside for International Pronouns Week, Asexual Awareness Week. Then we have Banned Books Week, which we all know is code for let's celebrate Julian the Mermaid in kindergarten. But it, it was, it's astonishing. And of course, the list comes straight from uh, GLSEN, which for those of you who don't know, is the Gay Lesbian Student Educational Network, and which is basically a subset of the National Education Association Teachers Union, the largest teachers union in the country. So I went in, I found the original calendar indeed from GLSEN, uh, and all these dates are on there. It is sent to every school that is associated with the NEA in the country and the gay, great Gay Straight Lesbian Student Alliances starting in K are encouraged to observe all of these dates. And you know what it really reminded me of, guys? It looks like a liturgical calendar. Like, let's be real. These are like the canonized Saints Day, Milk Awareness Day, Pronoun Awareness Day, and uh, the activities associated. So if your kid is for some reason still in public school, maybe you can't get out yet, make sure that you educate yourself. I'm going to drop the calendar in here. Check out your own school calendar and see if they're adopting these and make a stink. Because this is the new religion. Ugh. That reminds me a conversation like I had 20 years ago. A bunch of uh, secular people were chatting about stuff. And they brought up, they just started talking about sex again, you know, because these are all people who are unmarried. And and I just said, I said, really, again? And they're like, ooh, he, you know, Josh is such a prude. I said, okay, well, obviously you don't know me enough to think, if, to think I'm a prude. <laughs> And we can talk about sex, really, if you want to, um, but it's all you talk about. Like, you know, don't you want to talk about anything else? Sports, the weather, politics, Ideas. Like, where's a good place to go? Let's go, you know, where have you been? Where have you traveled to? Anything else. But like, this is all you think about. You're obsessed with it. And then if anyone kind of goes, okay, this is kind of weird to have this much of an obsession with it, then suddenly... You're the prude. You're weird. Okay, dude, get over it. And it was so it was fun. We actually had a conversation about other stuff for once. If if you're like desperate to talk about the weather, that must have been a bad combo. (laughs) Um, No, hold on a second. Weather's fascinating. I'm really into weather. As we know from Randy Travis, women sit around talking about men, and men sit around talking about the weather. Ain't nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Sounds healthy. Great, great reference. Gotta love some Randy Travis. Okay, Josh, your shawl's on. Well, okay, so this is the Twilight Zone. It's actually, it's only, a, it's that Hungary isn't in the Twilight Zone and everywhere else is. So the Feast of St. Stephen, the which is the first, uh, he's the first Christian king of Hungary. They celebrate his feast day. It's a great national holiday in Hungary. And they had this big cross they lit up in the sky, like fireworks it was or sweet. whatever. It was with drones. Or, I don't, or it was drones yeah. or something. I forget what it was. But anyway, it's just massive cross you know, over the, over the capital of Budapest and people loved it, you know, and lefties are like freaking out like, oh, this is, uh, it's terrible. This is, uh, it's scary. You know something? What's weird is when Obama lit up the White House with, you know, like the rainbow flag. That's what's weird. Okay. And in fact, it, not too long ago in the 1950s, all the skyscrapers in New York City would light up with a cross on Easter. It was just like, hey, nice little touch. What's wrong with that, right? And so uh, Rod Dreyer posted this. He said, my friend observed what was unthinkable in Hungary in 1956 
is happening in 2023. Because mm-hmm. in 1956, Soviets, yeah. Unbelievable. Right. And what happened in New York in 1956 is unthinkable in 2023. Wow. So I think it's that Hungary is not in the twilight zone mm-hmm. and that the United States They've recovered is. their sanity and we've lost ours. Yeah, well, the funny thing about that was like, I believe they would display in a similar manner the Soviet star over hammer top and sickle, of everything. Right, it was hammer yeah, and sickle. Yeah, so like it was, um, this was a replacement and I think kind of a sign to people like we have basically overcome communism, which of course caused death and destruction and in oppression for many years, which we don't understand. Well, okay, hold on a second. Now, communism only caused death and destruction everywhere it was tried. <laughs> <laughs> Good distinction, Josh. Thank you. You got a point. Keep us honest. Um, I have so many choices. It's kind of tough. But one that <clears throat> one that I get fired up on is uh, I do not like environmentalists kind of period, but especially the ones that uh, block roads. Okay. So <laughs> environmentalists that block roads got to be some of the most useless, uh, and, uh, harmful people out there because one, they're not contributing to society. And two, if you block a road, you're blocking, you know, women that need to get the hospital, mm-hmm. uh, people that need to go work to provide for their families. They're just like the worst of the worst. Like there's so many different ways you could bring attention to your cause without being actually destructive to people's lives. And so it's just, it's very selfish and narcissistic in my opinion, uh, to be kind of virtue signaling in this way. So it, it makes gets, gets me so irate. Now the twilight zone of this is typically these people, they get on the road and no one can remove them. And if you do remove them, you could potentially be sued for, uh, assault or some, it, it's, that to me is the real twilight zone that people can't do this. But we have a positive twilight zone because in Nevada, uh, there was a road that was backed up for miles. And this is in the desert, so there's only two lanes. So like miles of backed up road, it was over 100 degrees in heat. So people inside of their cars were actually in danger from, from the heat. And these protesters were causing miles and miles of standstill traffic. And a Nevada ranger came through and just boom, like just get out of the road, send me who's in charge. And the, my, I mean, my personal favorite part was this guy in a, in a green hat kind of like trotted over all happy like he was going to they were going to be OK. And the, they arrested everyone on site. They drove through the barricade. They're like, this is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I've not seen a takedown this satisfying in so long, but it was like it was just I mean, that was just amazing to me to finally see like this is how it should be handled. It never gets handled this way. And in Nevada, they were just like, forget it. This is mm-hmm. like so ridiculous. I, I do Get out think, though. We have to be prepared for this stuff. And so I would recommend everyone have, like, I, I saw this video, someone trying to, you know, plead with people, you know, these protesters, like, I have to get to court for a court hearing. If I don't, you know, I'm going to be in trouble and I violate my probation, you know, all that kind of they stuff. They don't care. They, just didn't they care. don't care. They don't care. And, 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 my, and, and so, and then you try to shove them out of the way and then they run back in the road. It's like, this is why you need to have a bag of zip ties in your car. And you pull them off the side of the road and you zip tie them to a stop sign and you can drive further so they don't run back on the road. Let the police deal with them. I'm serious. Josh, I love this because my first reaction was, oh, he's going to say everyone should have like a supply of water and a couple of meals and like some, (laughs) you know, snow blankets in case you have to like wait in your car for the authorities to arrest the road blockade. And you're just like, how about zip ties? See, that's the difference. I love it. I love it. Yeah, we're not, I mean, I don't know if we need to cover ourselves for legal reasons or whatever, but like, we're not advocating violence against these people. I'm just saying like, I genuinely removing think trespassers, people, removing trespassers on public land is like, it, 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 we should get back to where laws actually mean something. It's illegal to do what they're doing. Like you should not, and for a good reason, because it harms public safety and it uh, disrupts society essentially. And like, so yeah, Josh, I, you know, I hope that this uh, Twilight Zone was satisfactory, that met your, met your uh, high standards from last week. I did see that some people left yeah, comments. Yeah, but do you have zip ties in your car yet? <laughs> I don't have zip ties in my car. Um, you should. But I, uh, I did see some people commented like, you know, Tom, they did say five stars, which I appreciate. Like, Tom, need a better Twilight Zone. So if you still would like to comment that, I'm okay. I'll, I'll wear that. Um, but yes, we're going to end it here. Best way to help the program, uh, specifically reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you want to follow our YouTube channel, like the episode as well. 
Uh, it helps us out a ton. We appreciate doing those these so much for you. And uh, if you want to contact me, it's loopcast at catholicvote.org. Um, we just did a bonus episode. If you're looking for more, uh, we did uh, one of the most interesting interviews I think we did. This guy's so well-spoken. His name is John Edwards. He has a ministry where he, based on his personal testimony, goes around and creates actual uh, virtuous groups of men in parishes to kind of transform the parish. So having um, radical accountability and vulnerability with men uh, in trust at these parishes so that they can go out and really transform what's going on. So uh, go listen to that. That's going to be the one right before this one. Erica did a fantastic job with that interview um, and you can check out his ministry as well. But until then, we'll see you on the next one. St. Thomas More, St. Fidelis, Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. And uh, we'll see you guys next week.